Honorable member from constituency 26, Work South Central, MP Mark Bean, the leader of the opposition. You have the floor. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and good evening. Good evening. It's unusual that I will get up so early in a debate, but I thought necessary just so uh, I can set the turn from our side as to this whole issue of health care provision. Uh, Mr. Speaker, some people feel that we have too much politics in health care. And quite frankly, I tend to agree we have too much politics in health care because we have too much government interference in health care provision. Now, that's my personal position. And over the next few minutes, I would explain why. But in terms of this piece of legislation, one, yes, I think that the women of this country have give, given a collective sigh of relief to hear the minister to yesterday uh, say that she will not be bringing what has ended up being a very controversial subject in terms of screening and mammograms for women in this country. I think they are breathing a sigh of relief, but I also feel that a golden opportunity was missed to improve the nutritional literacy, not just of women, but everyone in this country, Mr. Speaker. But I will touch on that a little later. Mr. Speaker, in terms of this particular bill, what stands out and what my shadow minister of health alluded to as being the challenge that we have is this increase in the standard health benefit of 12%. Our concern is that any attempt at cost containment, and we all admit, we all know, the budget speaks to it that health care is the item or issue that we face in this country in terms of exuberant costs. It's a major issue that actually transcends politics. But any attempt at cost containment cannot be done in an ad hoc, piecemeal manner. It has to be done with a holistic approach. If you do it ad hoc, Mr. Speaker, then inevitably you have certain persons, certain segments of this population that will feel the negative impact of those decisions because it's been done piecemeal. And if it's piecemeal, you're not able to look at the totality of the decision-making or the impact of that decision-making. In particular, ad hoc or piecemeal approaches to cause containment merely serve the special interests of the healthcare industry. Because make no mistake, if healthcare costs is extreme, then there are some groups and some individuals, not just in Bermuda but elsewhere, that are getting very rich of our sickness and disease. Very rich, Mr. Speaker. And so I think that it's absolutely essential uh, that we take an approach that is holistic, and most importantly, we do it because the greatest impact, the greatest negative impact of a piecemeal approach is going to be on the lower income and middle income, the most vulnerable persons, whether they are seniors, whether it's the unemployed, or those who just can't afford adequate health care provision. And so for their sake, in addition to everyone else, I would take this opportunity to call on the government to let's join hands and let's have a comprehensive debate 
on health care reform. So important is this debate that I will be willing to remove the whip from the opposition. For those who don't understand what that means, it means that every single member of the opposition will be given the freedom to express whatever they may feel on the issue of health care without following any party line. And I will extend that invite to the Honorable Premier for his side to do the same. And that means that we will welcome persons to stand on their feet. And if you are a proponent of, for instance, socialized medicine, some would say Obamacare is a, a, a reflection of a socialized medicine approach. If you want to advocate that, here's the opportunity to do so. But for others who might say, listen, we need to reduce the bureaucracy. We need to reduce the intervention of the state and other institutions. We need to actually place more emphasis on the sacred relationship between the healthcare provider, i.e. doctor, and the patient. No one, not a politician, not insurance companies, no one should be able to intervene within that sacred relationship. And that means instead of looking at a socialized medicine approach, we will look to actually put more emphasis in a private medical approach. And the deputy speaker spoke of it a few minutes ago, where ultimately, ultimately, the greatest, the greatest step that we can take to have a healthy uh, society is for people themselves to have the knowledge of themselves before you even have to turn to a health care provider. Now, I'm going to say this. I'll say this. There are some special interest groups that are getting rich off of our people's sickness. When I say our people, everyone in this country who are not going to want to have that discussion. And some of these people have strong voices. Some will be able to turn to academics and so-called experts because they do not want the people to have a knowledge of self-healing. They will prefer people to be sick as a result of ignorance, Mr. Speaker. And so there's a necessity for us to put aside the petty politics that sometimes gets associated with health care and join hands and let's have a robust discussion. Regardless of which approach you may take, present it and let the people decide what they can apply and how they can apply that knowledge to improve their own well-being. Mr. Speaker, this open and frank discussion, most importantly, Mr. Speaker, we need to have a discussion on preventative and alternative medicine. I quite frankly got tired of talking about the effects of poor health care policy, where we never talk about the cause. Lord knows, I got up here one day. <laughs> I got up here one day after a seven-hour debate, and with humility, I thought that I would give a contribution that could help people who suffer from asthma. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. To this day, people still make stupid, ridiculing remarks about what I said under privilege in this house with the intent to help. You know what that tells me, Mr. Speaker? That we as a country, we need to grow up and we need to mature. If not, it's a one-way ticket to Chippewa Augustus. That's what you're facing.
You can make jokes all you like. I know, right? And because they thought of the internet, even before the internet, that prevention is better than cure. The, my shadow minister spoke to that earlier. But what does that mean? What does prevention being better than cure mean? Because later on when we get to the amendment that the minister has said that she, she's, she's going to withdraw a particular clause, we will see that there will be a discussion on early detection of mam through mammograms. Mr. Speaker, I will posit this. Early detection, while helpful, is not prevention. There is a distinct difference. When you get detected, what comes next? You either get radiated, you get chemotherapy, or you get surgery. That is not prevention. Or all three. That is not prevention. There are steps that the women of this country can take without even going to consult with their doctor yet to be able to prevent cancer of the breast or any other aspect of the body. Now let me declare my interest. My mother died when I was 16 of ovarian cancer and all other cancers when it spread. My mother-in-law, the same day when we had hurricane face strike this country, she underwent breast surgery, Mr. Speaker. She underwent it. So as with everyone else, it hits her and it's close to my heart. And that's why I don't think this is something that has to be overly political when the rubber hits the road. What we require is an erasure of ignorance and an increase of knowledge of self and what real health is. If not, we'll be running around in a circle doing piecemeal actions that will have no benefit to the people of this country. We'll be proverbial guinea pigs in a cage running forever but going nowhere. We will be laboratory rats for those who choose to get wealthy on the backs and the pain and suffering of every single human being in this country. It's our responsibility to boldly and courageously discuss it to hopefully enlighten our people so they can make the choice to put a hold to what I find to be an attack on human beings. Because if your health is going awry, Mr. Speaker, you could have a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. You could have all the gold in the world. Mm -hmm. But if your health departs, none of that makes a difference. So it is the primary, it should be the primary focus of us in this parliament. So let's talk about preventative and alternative medicine. Like the rest of the world is speaking about preventative and alternative medicine. Some countries have been practicing preventative and alternative medicine for three, four thousand years. Look at the outcomes of the healthcare system. India, the Ayurvedic tradition, three thousand years old. China, the traditional Chinese medicine tradition, four thousand years old. And I can speak to various cultures and countries where you have a science that is tested. Is tested. 
And if you add the populations of China and India together, you're talking about two, a, a third of the world's population. So obviously, something's working. And it's something that I think we need to be enlightened on, Mr. Speaker, for those who are not. Mr. Speaker, I reiterate, the path to good health is knowledge of self, not a reliance on anyone else. And no disrespect to our physicians, but knowledge of self. Even our AG last week was suffering from pneumonia. He told me he's not feeling shy. And when he told me that, within three minutes, I thought about what, I, what advice I could give him being a non-physician, but I can give him some advice where he can go out in his own backyard and pick a plant that he can make tea from. A plant that grows wild all around Bermuda that will help deal with that pneumonia. A plant. You didn't have to go to people's pharmacy to get a drug that, that, that might help your pneumonia but mash up and give you arthritis in your shoulder. And I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. But it's something that the good Lord created and is growing out in your backyard. And people have been using that for thousands of years. And to this day, it's still working. So, so as part of this overall discussion of healthcare reform, preventative and alternative medicine must be included. Because the last time I checked, I haven't heard someone trained in Western medicine get up and say that they actually cured something. They actually cured it. In fact, if you get up and say that you cured something, if I say that, oh, I gave my daughter something that cured her asthma, they would attack me. All types of experts would come out of the woodwork attacking me. Why? Because I said the, the, the best word. You can actually cure yourself through self-knowledge. But in saying that, that hits right at the heart of this healthcare industry complex, where people are getting rich and wealthy as a result of our disease. They were not permitted. They don't want to hear it. They want the people to continue to live in darkness. Well, I'll tell you this. I could care less. You can attack me all you like. World Gazette, if you're that immature, put it on the front page. I could care less, Mr. Speaker. I would rather our people be healthy and take the sacrifice of being ridiculed because we're offering information that can help them than for them to go down the path of darkness and end up over Chippewa Augustus prematurely. Or Bully Graham. It doesn't matter. You don't get to choose when you're going anyway. It doesn't matter where you go. So it's rather it's best that we focus here and now while we're alive and to worry about where we're going later. Life's for the living, Mr. Speaker. Now, the whole essence of this, this what we saw this week, you know, I, I feel that the Honorable Minister was on to something. When discussing mammography, it's worth a robust, open discussion because let me, quite frankly, if you could go on Google, you can see that some experts say that mammography is highly risky. Some say that every time a woman puts her breasts, 
in that machine, she gets one dose of radiation. And if she done that 10 times within 10 years, she'll have 10 doses and that's enough to in fact cause breast cancer. That's what some experts say. But then you have other experts on the other side of the spectrum who will refute that and say that women need mammograms every year. And so instead of taking time to educate people to improve the nutritional literacy, we find that the government had to back up because they have followed this, this mm, also typical attitude and approach towards the people of this country. That we will tell you after the fact. Healthcare is not the venue to tell people after the fact. If we want a healthier population, it must start with adequate education. Okay, and that may avoid some of the emotions. Because when you mention breast cancer to women, you know why it's emotional? It's because of the fear, Mr. Speaker. And rightly so, Mr. Speaker. Knowledge eradicates fear. Education imparts knowledge. So let's not put the card before the horse. Let that be a lesson to the government. I'm not going to stand up here today and ridicule the minister's approach because I looked at it objectively. I looked on the internet to say, well, what's the pros and the cons? This isn't about politics. I want to know what we can do to ensure that the women of this country remain healthy. And I think every man, although we can't relate to breast cancer, we certainly can relate to the need, and some can, yes. We certainly can relate to the need to love and uphold and elevate the women of this country. And that starts with optimum health. The best counter to a fear-based approach that we see as the hallmark of Western medicine and all these bureaucratic interest groups that are getting rich off our people, instead of focusing on healing and health, is to improve the educational awareness of what real health is in our populace. As of now, ignorance is profitable when it comes to health care. Ignorance is profitable. People make money because you choose not to know or you just don't want to know. That's how they're making money. Okay, from the cradle to the grave, Mr. Speaker. So, we will speak to the amendment a little later, but to suffice it to say, let this be a lesson to the government. It's best to be wise and prudent by taking the time to educate our people to avoid this fear-based emotion which was wholly justified. You missed a very important opportunity. And I suggest, right, it's never too late, especially when coming to, to discuss proper Effective health care provision is never too late to start over, okay, and repair the breach and rebuild the trust beyond politics and let the women in particular on this issue, but the people in general know that as a collective, we are concerned with not just the escalation in health care costs, but more so the de-escalation in health care outcomes. We need our people to be healthy if our economy is going to be one of growth and strength.
We need our people to be healthy if our community is going to be happy and peaceful. Obviously, there's nothing more important than our health. And that's why, again, I will reiterate our call for a, a motion. And if I ask my shadow minister to bring it forth, we want to have a robust, frank, and open discussion on health care reform. Whatever angle you may come from, we will remove the VIP. And my team, they can say whatever they like. Whatever their conscience tells them, and I invite the government to do the same. Because obviously, over the last 24 hours, we have seen the power, we have seen the power of members of the backbench and this caucus to bring about a reversal. You can't tell me that it was just because of the advocacy, which was excellent, of Ms. Kim Wilson, the honorable member, learned member, or Ms. Shay J. Simmons, or Ms. Carl Rouse, or Rachel Boris, or Kimberly Barnes-Hines. It wasn't just that, but I suspect it was the strong advocacy of the women of the OBA in their caucus. I suspect that. And if that's the case, kudos to the ladies of the One Bermuda Alliance. Kudos. Probably you realize over the last 24 hours you have more power than you ever thought. And let me remind you that you actually do. You should be the first check and balance. And you should never, ever vote against something that you feel is against your own personal self-interest. And we're talking about health. So, we're not going to dwell on that. But I give kudos to those who gave that voice of reason in the caucus of the One Bermuda Alliance. Because for the life of me, I didn't think you would be so politically naive to bring that clause up here today. After all that's happened, I, I didn't think so. And I was pleasantly surprised to see the about turn. It's not worth dwelling on in that regard. That's politics. Sometimes if you don't hear, you feel eventually, and then you start hearing. But the fact is, we're now at this stage, and now's the time to have a mature debate on health care. No more piecemeal nonsense that serves the interests of maybe an insurance company or maybe some technology provider who wants to sell the hospital the newest and improved technology that they never use. None of those people will have more focus on the individual and their self-awareness and their sacred relationship with every physician who went to school and took the Hippocratic Oath. They took it. And that relationship has to be enhanced. And that means that government has to not take the approach of intervening in health care. In fact, step back and get out of the way. No politician up here, unless you're a medical doctor, can actually determine what's better for the people better than a doctor. So step back. If you think, as the minister said, that that relationship is secret, sacred, then it means in action that government must step back and not intervene. No, that's not the status quo around the world. We find that healthcare is highly intervened. Everyone's got their fingertips in it. But yet, are the people getting healthier or sicker? And that's why I say it's time for us to have a real reasoning 
our prayer because I know the people are waiting for it and I know that they deserve it. Mr. Speaker, we have further remarks in terms of what I think the amendment that the minister will bring in terms of Clause 5, and we will discuss that in mammography in details when we get there. But generally speaking, again, our biggest concern is this rise in standard health benefit, which is going to impact the lower income and those who are most vulnerable in our society more than anyone else. And yet it makes, it reveals that the approach that we, we collectively, not just the OBA, but the PLP prior, the approach is off track. It's off base, Mr. Speaker. And we're going to have to gear down and look at other options or other alternatives. Because ultimately, ultimately, if there's one gift we can give to the people of this country, regardless of which political side that you're on, it's the gift of self-knowledge so they can have optimum health, Mr. Speaker. Nothing less will be acceptable. Thank you, uh, thank you Honorable Leader of the Opposition. Uh, the Chairman,